Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Steelers Draft Talk. Uh, I'm your host, Steelers DB. With me is my good buddy, Nick Martin. Uh, today, we got a really fun episode. We're going to be breaking down our top five wide receivers in the 2023 NFL Draft class. Really excited to get to this group. This is a group that we've been saving kind of till closer to the draft um, for, for various different reasons. But uh, first off, Nick, how we doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I'm putting the finishing touches all over my uh all over my scouting reports and uh, putting my big board together and that should release soon on, soon on the site. I'm hoping to get it out by this weekend and I uh, really want everyone to check it out because there's a lot of great stuff. I've been working pretty hard on it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited about that, brother. It's going to be uh it's going to be awesome content. I know people on the site going to love that stuff. Uh, we also appreciate all the support for the recent like episodes, especially like y'all been blowing uh, the Steelers draft talk stuff up. So just make sure, you know, you like the video, give us a comment, let us know what you think of the content. Um, make sure you subscribe to the channel, um, youtube.com slash all Steelers talk. Uh, without further ado, let's get going. Um, I want to start with number five, uh, but I wanted to make sure that you didn't have any like honorable mentions that you wanted to go over and kind of throw out some love to some of these guys. Um, but before we do that, I do want to get your thoughts just generally on the class, kind of like we've been doing for every position. Mm -hmm. Um, my thoughts on this receiver class, I tweeted this out a couple of months ago and it felt like controversial maybe to some at the time, but I just don't think this receiver class is that good. Maybe that's just me being really spoiled from the past couple that we've had. Um, usually the receiver classes are just so loaded here in the past, like four or five years, you know, seven on seven, the way college offenses are. We usually have a plethora of like top end talent. And I just don't see there's guys that I like that we're going to really talk about. Uh, but I don't see a lot of like elite, like wide receiver one type potential guys. Um, I would really be surprised if we got more than one, maybe two of those guys in this class. Um, but I see a lot of wide receiver threes, a lot of wide receiver fours complimentary pieces that um, are still very necessary in every every team's offense and I think are going to find themselves very useful at the next level. I just think that in terms of at the top, um, it's definitely a step down from like where we've had in recent years. I was curious on like kind of your thoughts on that as well. I think this class reminds me a lot of um, the 2018 class, which I didn't, I only gave out one first round grade that year and it was to DJ Moore who Honestly, like he was the only one who, to me, who showed that next level ability in terms of being able to be a number one receiver. And even though I did like Calvin Ridley's game and Cortland Sutton's game, I just felt that there were too many inconsistencies overall in their games that I could not put first round grades on them. And I think a lot of this class is similar, but I do think there is a little bit more in the tier three to offer, you know, guys like A.T. Perry or Jaden Reed. Those those are very interesting receivers that you can definitely talk yourself into. Apologies about my voice. I blew it out the other day, and uh, that's unfortunate, but we're going to get through this, man. No, you're good. Um, you sound fine. But, no, I think uh, I, I think I definitely agree with what you're saying, man. There, there's a lot of guys that I would particularly um, be willing to invest in in that third or fourth round range. It's just I think, you know, expectations really need to be tempered with this class. Um you know, that's just kind of my opinion on it. But I think um, part of it with this class is we expected growth from guys like Jordan Addison mm -hmm. and Kayshawn Booty. And we just didn't get that level of growth from the top level prospects. Yep. So it's viewed Smith as and Jager very, missed all, all season. Yes, exactly. Um, is it's one of those 
those classes where we we watched in the preseason it looked good on paper but we can't always account for development and you know off off the field circumstances yep like we say all the time man development's not linear so um without further ado you got anybody outside your top five that you want to shout out or you you want to go ahead and give us your number five receiver um cedric tillman and at perry are probably the best um x type receivers out in terms of archetype outside my top five because tillman offers a lot in terms of his ability to make cat above the rim catches he's just very good in contested situations has an underrated release package that really shows itself in 21 film as opposed to the 22 film where he was dealing with injuries all year and just wasn't himself that's where we saw jalen hyatt kind of overtake him but I, I, I personally think Tillman is the better player. A.T. Perry shows a lot in terms of his release package and can get open vertically, but he had a few too many um, bad drops on film, especially with his hands technique. It's a little bit inconsistent overall, so I had some a little bit more reservations on him, but they're, you know, they're good tier three players, guys that I think that can contribute down the line. Um I wouldn't put them in my top five, but I understand why others would. Yeah. Um, And I'll I'll give a quick shout out just to, I mean, this class is like absolutely loaded with slot players. Um, There is a lot more value, a lot more depth, I think, at the slot position rather than like at the X or the Z out on the boundary. Um, And when I look at um, a guy that I particularly see like a really easy projection for um, is a guy like Josh Downs from North Carolina. He he wasn't in my top five, um, but I, I do see it with him. And, and Downs, to me, is best described as a problem solver. Um, he's a shifty route runner, a guy who can create separation, particularly underneath. Um, you know, this dude destroyed people on whip routes. I mean, I watched this dude give so many guys problems just being able to sink his hips, get out of his brakes with explosiveness. Um Awesome hands. Uh, his hands really improved. He dropped his uh, drop rate drastically this past season. He is one of those guys that's only about 5'9". I don't know what he weighed in. I think it was like 170, 175. He was small. Um, but plays above the rim, and I, I love that about him. He attacks the ball at its highest point. Um, I think he plays extremely well through contact. Um, this dude's just a baller, man. Like, you know, he he's a problem solver. The one thing about Downs that I think is going to be a little bit interesting in terms of his next projection, he does a good job reading zone coverage and staying on track there, finding open voids in the zone. Um, he is a little bit of a freestyler, though. Like, I I, I think I've I've said this to and multiple people. Tape. Yeah, he's the one mixtape route runner of this class. Like, there are times where he's doing stuff like spin moves 20 yards down the field. And I'm just like, what are we doing? Like, so I think, you know, timing based offenses are going to want to see him, you know, kind of rein some of that stuff in. Um, but I do think he's like a little bit of a problem solver. Cause like he can get open. So, um, and I, I think his hands drastically improved the drops decreased. So um, he was just outside of my top five. I think if you're getting a guy like Josh downs, um, you know, in, in the middle of day two or, you know, somewhere around the second round, mid to late second round range, I think you feel pretty good about it because I think he's a wide receiver three at the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can do that um, uh, fairly early in his career. So um, you you want to go first on number five? Yeah. Um, okay. So for number five, I had Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. He is one of the youngest receivers in this class. 
and he probably has among the most potential as a vertical threat, even including guys like Jalen Hyatt, because Mims, he has an instant acceleration gear that he can just tap into in his routes. Something that I think is really hard to see because of how Oklahoma used him. They protected him a lot with the scheme in terms of, you know, putting him in the slot, putting him in motion consistently. A lot of um, a lot of times he would get the ball and like he didn't get the ball as much as he should have this past season because you see a lot of like high yards per per reception, like over 20 yards per reception, which is absurd with Marvin Mims. That's because he only had like about 50 50 or so catches and he still converted it into a thousand yards. The thing about Mims that is so impressive to me is his ability above the rim in terms of just being able to make plays back shoulder or just go or just make those contested catches. He has such good hands technique in terms of being able to keep his hands uniform and, you know, keep them close together, create a nice diamond. Like he's extremely sure-handed when it comes to making those plays and just playing taller than, than, you know, he's listed. Like he's, he's an explosive leaper. He can get, he can get over guys, his release package. He shows a good bit in terms of his deception, but the problem is when he gets to his secondary release, a lot of times when guys were playing catch technique on him, he didn't really seem to have much of an answer. And he kind of got like, he kind of had like lost like his speed as guys got hands on him and he could get rerouted a little bit more easily. You want to see him improve that secondary release in terms of his hand usage, because he shows the deception. He just has to get more of his hands hand usage down and a little bit more comfortable, but running this dude on slot fades or, you know, running him out wide as a vertical threat and maybe just, you know, keeping his routes kind of simple in terms of hitches um and just verticals and stopping routes early on in his career i think you can really work with a guy like that especially if you're a team like the chargers who have a quarterback who really needs a vertical threat like he's gonna dictate safety help when that's the type of gear he has yeah i I like marvin mims as well uh he he wasn't in my top five but i i know we've talked a lot off the pod about how um you know the lack of buzz around a guy like mims who's been productive really since he stepped on foot at campus um you know that's that's been surprising to me he's still a relatively young wide receiver like you said the above the rim ability some of the spectacular catches he's made um over the course of his career has been awesome to see and you know i would even argue like you said that he didn't get the ball as much as he should have this past season i think that was the case like throughout his oklahoma career like if you really look but even back when they had you know caleb williams spencer rattler there was a lot of times where you know they were rotating other receivers in but there was times where i felt like on film like he was wide open and wasn't getting the looks or the targets um and maybe we're having a different conversation um around his buzz if if those had you know kind of came to fruition but i like mims a lot um, he has a basketball background. That's kind of where some of that leaping ability and contested catch uh, ability kind of comes from. I, I got to speak with him a good amount at the combine. He was a really nice dude. Um, I'm rooting for him for sure. So um, getting into my number five receiver um, is actually Cedric Tillman, who you already talked a little bit about. Um, I'm really high on Tillman, man. I, I think that he um, is a really good player, you know, 6'3", 215 pounds. He has the throwback prototype X receiver type of build um, on the boundary. Uh, Tillman's got exceptional hands, uh, love the body control um, along the sideline, the ability to just contort his body and make difficult catches outside of his frame. 
Um, defenders rarely seem to bother him um, at the at the catch point. You know, guys draped all over him. He would still make the play. Um, I think, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about this, too, but like building your receiver room, kind of like a basketball team, like Tillman's that throwback, like power post up power forward. Um, yes. That's just going to use his size and kind of body uh, body smaller corners up. Um, he's a long strider with build up speed, a little bit of suddenness to his game, especially as a route runner. Um, I really liked the 10 yard split that he ran at the combine. I think it was like one five two, which even surprised me a little bit. Um, Tillman's physicality can be, like I said, difficult for those smaller slider corners to match up with. Um, and I just agree with what you said. Like if you put on the 2021 tape, um, he's just a different player. Uh, you could tell that he was not 100 percent when he came back this year um, at the combine. He stated that, you know, he wasn't 100 percent up until January. So like he didn't really get the chance to have the full training experience lead up to the combine. Um I just I think that if you go back to 2021, I know it took him a couple of years. He got lost in the shuffle behind some other receivers like Josh Palmer, guys like that. But um, I, I'm still a believer that that 2021 tape of Cedric Tillman, that player is still going to be there. Um, and I think that he offers like unique upside because this class doesn't like I said, this class is full of short slot receivers. And I just think that he's one of the very few like prototypical X receivers um, in the class. And that gives him, you know, some added value um, just in terms of the the negatives. I would personally like to see a more detailed release um, package at the line of scrimmage. I did feel like, you know, on his 2022 tape, he would get caught kind of playing with corners a little bit too much at the line of scrimmage. It seemed like he would come off the ball without much of a game plan on how he was going to attack the corners leverage or hands. Um I do think that I would like to also see him expand his route tree that that uh, Tennessee offense is a very difficult projection. We've talked about that for all these guys that are coming out of that offense. Just not a very vast route tree and the splits are different. Everything's going to change like at the next level. And I do think he takes some gather steps to get in and out of his breaks um, when he's running like hitches and hard stop routes and things like that. But overall, like Tillman. Think he's a good X receiver. Um, I would have no qualms about taking him top 50. I seem to be higher on him than the consensus. Um, I've seen some other people, you know, a couple, I think it was pre-combine, I tweeted out that I had a higher grade on, on him than I did Jalen Hyatt. And that's no disrespect to some of the things that Hyatt can do for you in terms of his vertical speed, dictate safety help. I just think as a complete wide receiver, um, Tillman's, physicality his catch radius the body control is almost to me as good of a trump card as high as speed is I, I really believe in his size um and ability to play at that size um, at the next level and how it's going to translate so he's gonna be fascinating for me like i said because i'm higher on him than the consensus i'm interested to see if i'm right about that so um Tillman's a good player though he was a really fun study um let's get into your who was your number four guy so um number four for me speaking of uh x receiver archetypes i had quentin johnston from tcu this um this is a receiver i have such a love hate relationship with because i love the ability to get off of press coverage i think he is a very just very detailed in his release package there's a lot of good to him in terms of tempo variation he can also like he can push 
you know, a defender's cushion from off coverage. He shows good head fakes. Like he's just really deceptive. And it also just plays into his ability after the catch. The problem with him is he has a problem that I have seen with some bigger receivers before who don't play as big as they are or as long as they are. And it has to do ultimately with his catch technique. A lot of times his hands are not always uniform together or he ends up playing with these really wide hands and he ends up clapping on the ball. And you see it a lot in these contested situations where he's like going up and he's almost letting it go into his body, not, not necessarily into his body. He's not catching it at the, at the ball's highest point. And that's one of the weirdest things about him because he has some interesting ball tracking like there are instances when the ball is underthrown by almost 10 yards and he can come back to it and somehow find the ball in the air and it's just incredible the type of play he can make but then when he has a situation where you know the quarterback's throwing a jump ball to him he's like almost barely getting off the ground he's and he's or he's timing his jump too early so then he ends up you know attacking the ball lower than he should and, you know, the big thing with me, I want to see improvement in that regard. And he was still struggling with drops even at his pro day. And I don't I don't want to pretend like I'm an expert. I, I, I don't because I there's a lot of things I'm still learning. But I've listened to, you know, a few things. I've read a few things on what his um, receiving coach is trying to teach him in the offseason. And I just don't think he's getting the proper advice because I don't think he's being critiqued enough on those plays where he did not make the where he did not have optimal hands positioning it's it's a problem you that's going to affect him but unlike receivers like chase claypool that it's plagued he has a very detailed release package he can get open especially in the short and intermediate range you just might have to live with those drops and hope that they don't become a chronic issue because the contested situations are, it's going to be frustrating. He's not going to be able to capitalize on that length. Yeah. So Johnson is actually my number three uh, wide receiver on this list. So I'll go ahead and kind of talk about him. But, you know, almost six foot four, six three, six four, two 210 pounds. Um, he's a high weight speed demon. Um, big play potential whenever he touches the ball. Um, some of the things I like about Johnson, um, he it's almost instantaneous from his transition from runner or receiver to runner, excuse me, yes. uh, quick, sudden plants of his feet, instant burst up field. Uh, it also shows up, you know, his stop and start ability when he gets in and out of his breaks. I thought that that was really impressive for his size. He has the ability to stack uh, cornerbacks, defenders down the sideline. I think he would have had even more explosive plays in that area of the field if the quarterback accuracy was a little bit better um, in his direction at times. There are nice examples of ball tracking um, that you like to see. I think back to the Kansas game when they threw him that um, a deep ball in the very back of the end zone, and he was able to kind of uh, catch it over his shoulder and get two feet in bounds. There, there are examples of that over his tape. And I think in general he does find the ball when it's in the air, it's what happens after that that kind of is problematic. But he basically has a small receiver skill set and a big receiver frame with all the necessary tools that you would want for a developmental player. 
So that's where I think the upside comes in for me and stacking him three or four kind of came at that juncture because I was trying to figure out what am I going to take the better player who I think is easier to translate now or the higher potential guy. Um, I just think that he plays like he's 5'10 sometimes. And I think that um, his really impressive leaping ability, like I've seen this dude make catches on the sidelines out of bounds where it literally looks like he jumps like 50 inches in the air. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like his wingspan and his height and vertical combined should make him this dominant uh, force in jump ball situations, but he just doesn't attack the ball at the apex. Like he just, he constantly will leap up in the air and then still try to body catch it or cradle it. And that's just problematic because it, it gives those smaller cornerbacks a chance to get their hands in there to rake the ball out or to you're basically, you know, becoming shorter uh, just by the way you're attacking the ball. Uh, so, so some of that size and athleticism kind of just doesn't really matter as much. Um, I would just like to see him play bigger. I want to see him play like a six, three guy and it just doesn't happen enough. Um, and then just the only other thing I do think um, the release package is more detailed than people are giving it credit for. He really has a habit of, this is something that I, um, caught on to kind of three or four games into his tape. Um, he has a habit of coming off the ball against off coverage and then standing real tall before he breaks down. And that's really problematic because when you have cornerbacks, especially at the next level, it doesn't matter how good you can get in and out of your breaks. If they see your weight start to rise like that and your strides start to get really long and then get really choppy, they're going to jump those routes and your quarterback's going to be pissed off because you're getting pick sixth. Like, <laughs> so he's got to work on not telegraphing some of his routes. But overall, Johnson, he, I think he is a boomer bus guy. I don't like calling players that too often, but I think the range of outcomes for a player like Johnston is going to be pretty wide. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I've seen some interesting comps anywhere from like Kevin White to Brandon Ayuk to like um, all over the place. Yeah, it's it. I I kind of went with a little bit. He he plays almost like Dwayne Bow, but he doesn't have like quite the hands mm-hmm. and like that contested ability that Dwayne Bow had, which is a little frustrating. You know, trying to come up for a medium sized comp for him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a difficult player. I, I don't have a comp for him. He's he's a fascinating uh, evaluation just because, like I said, he's a small receiver and a big receiver's body. That's the yeah. best way I can really describe him. So I'll, I'll kind of get into my number four player. Um, my number four guys is a flowers uh, from Boston College. Five, nine, 182 pounds, top tier production. He produced with uneven uh, quarterback play at the college level. He had the chance to leave Boston College, go elsewhere you know, take advantage of NIL. He, he stayed there, stayed put um, quarterback injuries and stuff kind of limited some of his production at times, but you know, he produced regardless. Um, he's a dynamic playmaker who has a penchant for making guys miss and creating explosive plays after the catch. This dude is really freaking slippery. Um, his burst stop and start ability. Very good. He can get to the third gear in a hurry. Flowers. The best way I can describe him as a route runner is all gas, no breaks. Like he is full throttle all the time uh, and can get to that third gear um, just almost instantaneously. Impressive amount of wiggle to his game. He destroys pursuit angles, makes guys miss at the point of contact. Just again, just incredibly slippery uh, in the open field. You get this dude, the ball in his hands and he's going to do some damage for you. Uh, He did 
a lot of his work and the deep area of the field they used him as a deep threat over the course of his career he was frequently you know turning safeties around leaving them in the dust if he was given the chance uh, he loses very little speed in and out of his breaks, uh, which enables him to create even more separation as a route runner. Just some of the negatives for Flowers, he's small. Uh, I do like that he was able to put on, um, you know, he put on about 13 pounds from the Shrine Bowl to the Combine and was still able to run a 4-4. So that, to me, is a good sign. Drops have been a problem at times. At times, uh, he can be a little bit of a body catcher over the middle of the field. Needs to incorporate some pace and tempo manipulation to his game. Yes, so he is all gas, no brakes, but there is no there is no nuance to his route running. He is going to run as fast as he can to point A, and then he's going to run as fast as he can to point B. And that's fine at the college level because, like, he's obviously been a better athlete than pretty much everybody in the ACC, um, you know, playing at – especially playing at 170 because he was just so fast – uh, legitimate sub four four speed at that weight, uh, but that's going to be a little more difficult to just win off pure athleticism at the next level. He needs to get more detailed um, in that regard. Obviously, the frame and catch radius concerns could limit some of his upside um, in terms of what he could potentially be. I like that he has um, inside outside versatility. You know, a lot of his snaps in college have came from the outside. I anticipate that he's going to get the chance to move outside. Um, at the next level, I just think, you know, he's he's small and he doesn't have the biggest catch radius. So if that's something you really want and you're outside of receivers, he's not going to be able to offer you that. But Flowers is a good player. Like I said, going back and forth between him and Johnston was really like I see more potential in Johnston just because of his athletic gifts. Uh, some of the things that you can't teach with his size and athleticism. But um, Flowers is a really good player. I think traditionally he probably is a guy that you would absolutely be enamored with in the second round but in this class without other um really top tier playmakers got invited to the draft yeah and we if we know how um we know how you know desperate these guys are to get playmakers on the field and i think flowers is going to end up going round one which you know i personally didn't give him a round one grade but i do think you know he's going to be a very very good wide receiver three uh and potentially even like wide receiver two at the next level, uh, depending on the situation that he goes to. So. so Zay Flowers is my number three receiver. I had a very interesting experience overall watching Flowers film, mainly because finding film for this past year was ridiculously difficult. But also we talk about this quarterback play. Um, I've watched a lot of Phil Dracovic in the past, and I don't know why I've done that to myself, but you know, the thing with uh, Zay, Zay Flowers is you you mentioned it. He's always all gas, no breaks. I like that to a degree because you keep your routes on time, allow your quarterback to be able to find you consistently. He needs to add that route tempo variation. I agree. It would keep it would keep corners much more on their heels uh, against him for sure. Biggest thing um, with me. What I liked about Zay Flowers was actually off the field. I think he is an incredible worker. It, we could talk about the 13-pound gain in terms of pure muscle that he that he was able to do, but he's been working with some really good uh, receiver influences from a pure on-field perspective. Guys like Antonio Brown took took him under his wing. You know, he's learning a lot from them. You can see him implementing certain aspects of his game, especially in terms of his ability after the catch. The problem I have with Zay Flowers 
is I think he has a little bit of a Deontay Johnson syndrome of he has the right hands positioning. He can track the ball well, but there are concentration drops in terms of, you know, just in, in really weird situations, like he'll, it'll hit him right in the hands or it'll, or he'll have it like perfectly in and he'll just, he'll just, he just won't see it in and he just ends up dropping it. He's just, he's going to have to learn, you know, how to keep his concentration a little bit better in those situations. Cause I think with him, unlike Quinton Johnston, it's a technique. It's, it's not a technique thing. It is, it is an eye discipline thing. And I think with his upside in terms of his character work ethic, I thought he was way better at destroying press than I than I would honestly give him credit for. He keeps, like I said, he like we both said he plays very fast with his releases. He has a good release package. He's just not very good at on at, at mixing his tempo. Which, if you can teach that a little bit more, I think there's a little bit of untapped upside with him overall. I just think it's really hard for me to get on 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 page with the high end comps that I've seen from him, like Antonio Brown, like I just, I, I, it's, I just can't do it. It's, it's not something I can willingly do. I like Zay flowers, the vertical threat. I think he runs a lot of really good routes. I think he runs a lot of the more difficult ones and he's good in, you know, the middle of the field there. He tracks the ball extremely well over his shoulder there was a play um, in the middle of the field where he has two defenders around him and the quarterback for some reason thought I'm going to throw this to him. And he goes right over the, the, the safety in front of him and just plucks it over him. And yeah, that's just an impressive ability of what Zay flowers could be at the next level. Uh, Overall, he reminded me a lot of T.Y. Hilton, uh, who was a really solid receiver in his time in Indianapolis. I think he can, I think you would be I think a lot of teams would think about plugging him into the slot but I think he's a Z receiver who I want in motion. I don't want him tied to the line of scrimmage. I want him to move him around and keep defenses honest because I believe he can be an, a a solid number 2 receiver in the league. I think there's really good floor with Zay Flowers. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that comp. And when Zay, too, like, he was a guy that I thought was going to come out last year. Like, I really was surprised that he went back to school. Like, he's been on, like, the draft Twitter radar for a really long time. So, really like Zay. Um, I'll get to my number two wide receiver. Um, My number two wide receiver is Jackson Smith and Jigba. So, um, this was kind of tough, distinguishing number one and two, and I'll kind of get into the reasons why I shaped it out the way I did. But uh, Smith and Jigba, 6'1", like 200-ish pounds, uh, monster year in the slot, um, even playing next to lottery picks like uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave back in 2021. Very detailed route runner who sets up defenders with pace and manipulation, uh, attacks leverage very well. The old cliche of like quarterback's best friend, that was something that I put in his scouting report. I think it definitely applies to JSN. He quickly uncovers underneath in the short and intermediate areas of the field. And albeit on a small sample size, he caught all seven of his contested catch targets uh, back in 2021. Uh, Smith and Jigba isn't a burner, but the way that he creates explosive plays is after the catch prowess. I think he's got extremely good vision as a ball carrier. He sets up defenders. He he makes so many guys miss and runs through arm tackles that that was something that when I went back and watched his film from 2021 I don't think I appreciated enough just how many 
Um, big plays he sprung, even though he didn't necessarily, you know, always had like he wasn't outrunning guys. Like guys were catching him from behind, uh, but like he had a good ability. Like as soon as he caught the ball, quickly transitioned to a runner getting his eyes up the field, knowing how to set defenders up um, and things like that. So really like that aspect of his game. Um, as far as Smith and Jigba's negatives, he's pretty much only exclusively played in the slot. So his outside ability is really just, I mean, there's there's not any tape really to go off of, uh, just a select number of snaps. I don't particularly think that four or five speed of his translator shows up on tape as much i view him as more of like a four high four five four six guy which isn't a problem for me at all obviously because he's my number two wide receiver but i do think it's a problem if you're gonna be asking him to play a ton outside and the reason why is like when you're in the nfl and you can't consistently threaten the ability to run by defenders, even if you play with good pace and manipulation, even if you're a good route runner, um, if they don't fear you running by them, they are going to literally just sit on all your breaks. And I just think that I don't know if Smith and Jigba is that type of player to be able to overcompensate for that. Um, he's only got one year of production. Um, you know, he's an underclassman, missed 2022 with I think it was a soft tissue like hamstring, maybe. I could be yeah, it was, it, was, okay. it was hamstring. So um, Smith and Jigba, again, he, to me, is – I know people have, like, I guess – we. I've tried to use this phrase, like, a lot on here, talking about prospects, because I feel like the meaning of it kind of gets lost, but it's evaluation versus valuation. Smith and Jigba, to me, is a very easy evaluation. I think he is, he is a starting high-quality slot receiver at the next level, um, can probably develop into like a number two option in a good offense. Um, he is going to be really tough over the middle of the field. He's going to uncover quickly underneath, gives you some yards after the catch ability. I don't know that he's ever going to be this dominant number one round receiver. Now we have seen guys play exclusively really in the slot and still become number one round receivers like Cooper Cup. I've seen like people say that maybe he's Cooper Cup. I don't personally see that. Um, I know Cooper Cup like drastically outplayed his draft slot. Maybe Smith and Jigba does the same. Um, but I think that, um, you know, Smith and Jigba to me is going to be a good player at the next level. I don't know what the ceiling is because, again, I, regardless of what he tested out of his pro day, and we've got to add a little bit to that considering it was a pro day time, I just don't think – I think there are some athletic limitations to him despite him being a really, really good receiver. I think you had some really interesting points overall. So um thing I want to get out of the way, Jackson Smith and Jigba is actually my number one receiver, but I want to go ahead and add a few things. You mentioned his uh, 40 time, 4-5-2. Something I found really strange was his 10 split was a 1-6-5, which is like 20th percentile or something mm-hmm. like that. And that just does not align with a 4-5-2 overall. So I have a few theories. He's has he he has issues building up to his full speed and needs more of a runway, which is why he might be more limited to the slot. The thing um or he or that speed just isn't really a pure indicator of how he plays on film, which I can kind of agree with. Honestly, the reason I use the Cooper Cup comparison is I just think they are very nuanced players in terms of being able to attack both man and zone. Something I appreciated more when I was watching CJ Stroud's 21 film was just how many times this dude was making himself available 
in those off script situations, in those situations where he had to deceive zone leverage and, you know, create openings. Just there were many instances where Stroud is just relying on this, this receiver. And that's something I think is people don't like look at enough. Marvin Harrison Jr. may be the most talented receiver on that team. Jackson Smith and Jigba was the most reliable. And sometimes that reliability can become such a huge asset as a receiver that you become the number one on your team because you're so trusted to be in the right spot, to be able to get open. And while that might may only happen in the slot, we've seen more and more how many receivers are becoming their go-to target on, on their teams. You know, Monroe St. Brown, Cooper Cup. There are number one receivers that play in the slot. And I don't think there's anything wrong with Jackson Smith and Jigba being a number one that plays in the slot. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, he's he's a good player, man. Like, I, I know, um, you know, there might be some people that knock him because of the athletic testing. But I think of, like, what he can already do for an offense, I, I do value that um, fairly high. So um, I'll kind of get into my number one player. Um, I, I'm assuming he's probably number two for you. He is. All right. Um uh, my number one receiver is still Jordan Addison. I mean, this was this was kind of tough because I kind of weighed back and forth on who I was going to put here between him and Smith and Jigba. But um, Addison is a really unique case study. So, you know, he's six foot. He's only about 170 pounds. He didn't run very fast at the combine. I think he ran like a four five nine. His agility numbers weren't great as pro day because it was like a freaking monsoon um out there in usc throw those numbers out (laughs) yeah i mean they're just they're just not very important to me i know that this dude's very uh very agile so um smith and jay or excuse me addison just didn't test very well and i think that's going to turn a lot of people off and it is a important part of this evaluation but when i look at addison um i see a three level route runner who is one of the most easy separators that you'll find in college football. I mean, this dude was consistently, consistently open. And that's something that I value a lot. And that's why I think that he's always been this high volume target is because the dude is open all the time. Uh, When you go back to his junior season, that pit 1500 receiving yards, like 17 touchdowns, this dude uncovers at all three levels of the field. Um, He also wins all the time in the red zone this dude you get him matched up on the backside of like a three by one he'll win on whip routes he wins on slants um you know he understands how to manipulate defenders leverage get their hips turned and fly past them the other way um i do think that he has more than enough vertical speed Uh, i don't i i said in my scouting report that i filed for the site back in like i don't know december january that i thought he was a four or five speed guy i don't know why people are Surprised that he ran a four or five, but the the thing is, he gets to that speed in a good in a good time, and he understands how to set defenders up. So like he's constantly playing like a step ahead. Um, you know, I, I just think that the productivity that we saw from him, when I look at the dis- differences between his junior and senior, or excuse me, his sophomore and junior tape with Pitt and USC, Pitt he was more dynamic after the catch. He played through contact well at the catch point. He, um, you know, was just a more featured part of the offense. I mean, he played more in the slot um, at Pitt. When I look at his junior tape, he got the experience of playing outside. He faced more press coverage. I saw 
noticeable improvements with his release package, dealing with physicality and press and that length uh, from some of those uh, bigger corners in the Pac-12. And But he wasn't as great after the catch. He dealt with some injuries again. Um, but the drops went away. Like, and he, I do think that he is a natural catcher of the football. Yes. Like when he goes over the middle of the field, even with his frame, he will extend outside of his frame. You'll see the diamond uh, reels catches in like that. Um, so there's a lot to like. And I think if you can combine the best parts and maybe this is a bad way of thinking of it, but I think if you combine the best parts of what he did at Pitt his sophomore year, the best parts of what we saw at USC last year when he was healthy, you combine that into one player. I think that you had the best receiver prospect in this particular class. Um, now, do I think Addison would have been a top three, four, maybe even five guy last year? No, I don't. I mean, I just, I don't think he's that level of player. Um, I don't give very many comps. Um, as you guys know, I'm usually good for about one comp per um positional ranking video that we've done throughout this cycle. Uh, but Jordan Addison is Calvin Ridley to me. That's that's what I see. I see a very detailed route runner who creates easy separation. I also think that the Calvin Ridley um, upside or, you know, potential is there for Addison. I think he can be that number one wide receiver, um, maybe not like top 10 wide receiver in the league, top 15, but I do think that he can be that mid to low end wide receiver one at the next level who gives you inside outside versatility so for me um in terms of his press releases i thought there was some improvement on the usc film but i didn't think it was enough to dissuade um my concerns versus press overall a lot of it has to do with his hand usage off the line and his placement a lot of times he shows this release package he can show these moves to get off the line but he's he lets guys get into his chest too much and it lets him get rerouted a little too often you saw it against Caillou Blue Kelly um, Rajon Wright of or of uh, Oregon State now while Addison absolutely cooked Stanford he did not cook Caillou Blue Kelly every single play you know and in terms of his best stuff, I thought it just came from the slot. Like he is one of the best in terms of being able to manipulate off coverage. If you play quarters versus him and you have your safety inside aligned to him, you are going to be panicking because he can sell slot fade, post corner, corner post. Like he's so good at being able to get open vertically and he understands that aspect of his game. Something like I'm I try not to force comps, but he reminds me a lot of uh, Pittsburgh Emmanuel Sanders, not the one that played for the Broncos, because you saw Sanders get a lot better versus press coverage over the point of his career. I think with Addison, you might see that over time. For now, I start him out in the slot, let him work at what he does best, because you mentioned the hands and his and his positioning. Like he's really good at making those tough catches over the middle. Like he he took some tough hits at Pitt that weren't really on display in the USC film as much. And he's just really good at being able to find the soft spots in zone. I think he's way better versus zone than he is man over man coverage overall. I think he's just really good at being able to deceive zone leverage and you know create those openings. So for me, Addison is somewhere between like a slot and a, and a potential Z receiver down the line, which for me, I think that's a, like, a, you know, he's 
behind Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think he could be one of the top end number twos on a team like an Emmanuel Sanders was back back in his prime. Yeah, I think that's the Emmanuel Sanders. That's it's probably a good comp as well. Um, different you know, testing though. Yeah, different testing. Um, I, I would say for Addison, just like the negatives, man. Um, like I said, he just the tapes in 2021 and 2022 are so so very different in my opinion he looks like a different player I know the offenses that they played in were so different as well um one of the concerns that I have like um along with just playing better through like physicality I thought that he showed flashes of that last season but I still agree that he could get better playing through contact um and physicality throughout his route um I'm a little bit concerned about his frame, not in the fact that like he's not going to be able to get open. I'm just concerned that he's going to have trouble staying healthy. I don't know. I don't recall him at Pitt missing too many games. This isn't something I had in my notes, but this is something that I've always thought about him. Um, I don't know if he missed games at Pitt. I remember him being like banged up a time or two and then like getting back up and playing. Um, But he missed he it felt like he was on the turf getting looked at several different times when I watched USC yes. this past season. Um, yeah. And I know he did have, like, I think it was a foot injury that knocked him out of that first Utah game, which he was cooking Utah in that game, by the way, um, up until he got, um, you know, set out with an injury. Um, but I just, I do worry a little bit, like, is his frame going to be conducive to a long playing career, especially if he's playing in the slot, you know, and he's taking those hits against safeties and linebackers. I don't have a problem with this dude want to like, there's no alligator arms over the middle of the field against zone coverage with him. It's just a matter of like, is his body going to hold up? So that would be one of my biggest concerns with him. And I think that that's valid when you have a guy that's 170 pounds, like you have to ask that question. That's why historically we do not see very many 170 pound receivers go in the first round. And if they do, they typically run like four, three, or they just, we just or they're Devontae Smith. Yeah. Or they're Devontae Smith with that real body control. So that yeah, so that's another comp that I just do not like whatsoever. Nope. Devontae like was so good about playing through physicality, so good in the air with this body control. The catch radius was better. I just don't I, I don't see that as the comp at all for him. Like I said, I, I see Calvin Ridley. I could I could get on board with Emmanuel Sanders as well as comps, but I, I don't think um, – I, but I, I will admittedly say, like, I love Devontae Smith. Like, he was – I want to say he was, like, my fifth – I think he was, like, my fifth-ranked player that year. Like, I, And I, I think that Smith is one of those players that, like, if you polled NFL Twitter, they would probably tell you, like, yeah, he's a good player. But, like, I think if he didn't play in Philly in a run-heavy offense next to A.J. Brown, we would be talking about Devontae Smith as a top-ten receiver in the league because I think he's that good already. Um, so, but you got anything else? Uh, you, look like you, did. you cut out, um, part, part like through your, through your monologue. So that was unfortunate, but I, no. I mean, I just want to, you know, just add that Devonte Smith was a top three receiver in a deep class for a reason. Like there's, there were a lot of traits that were existent with him that are in Addison's game. And that's not, that's not a slight against Addison. It's just, it's just being real about the type of prospect that Addison currently is, which he's still a good prospect. He's still, he's still a guy who can produce in the right situation. I understand why a team might take him the first round. I understand why a team might pass on him for, 
for the sec for the second round if he ends up falling. Like it's it's a it's a very delicate situation. He's a very polarizing player right now, but yeah. I definitely see a good player. Yep, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see where he's where he lands. I'm I'm excited to see. Um... Chargers is my prediction. Sure. Yeah, that would be a good one. I, I I've uh, kind of pegged the Vikings um, as like my favorite landing spot for him. So just because I think he'll destroy one on one coverage and all those cloud coverages that you know go just Justin Jefferson's way. So yeah. Um, overall, appreciate you guys tuning into the episode. Hopefully, you all like the content. Please make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, drop a comment for us. Let us know what y'all think. Let us know what y'all thought of the episode so far throughout the cycle. Please make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash allstealerstalk. Uh, Nick and I will be back uh, maybe in a couple days. We'll drop another episode because we've got a couple more position groups um, and, and a potential mock draft that we're trying to get through um, before we get to next Thursday. So uh, really excited about that. It's been a fun time talking ball with you guys. So um, you guys have a good rest of your day. Peace. Peace.